boss tweet, Jevin Dyer Smith. I just took first, albeit second or maybe even third sip of coffee of the day from the most expensive mug I have ever bought, and perhaps anyone has ever bought. This thing cost me, well, let me tell you what it cost me. My God, on the front is a Honda emblem, because I got this at a Honda dealership. Now, this is just a question, but are car dealerships death cults? Are they concentration camps for yuppies? What are we doing here? I spent weeks looking for a well-priced car that met all the things we were looking for. In our case, third row seat, all-wheel drive, V6, wanted an SUV. Honda Sorento was the way to go. Nothing too uh, lame looking. Which, by the way, there were cheaper ones. The Dodge Journey and the Buick butt pimple. I mean, does it cost that much money to form your exterior panels for your car in a non-hideous manner? I mean, what are we even doing here? GM, you won the war. Now you're making cars in the shape of Deformed bees. I mean, it is so ugly. The only one I liked was the Kia Sorento out of South Korea. And the Koreans, man, they don't mess around. They actually have learned. And while we have been resting on our laurels in America, they've been improving their car performance steadily every decade. So I finally find one over the weekend that's in my price point and... I go first thing Monday morning with the family up an hour and a half to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, named after the tobacco company. So I go deep into tobacco country. And I walk in the dealership. I called ahead. I wanted to test drive this car. I'm ready to buy cash. Let's roll, baby. So, and the cash was from a loan, so don't get all excited. But it's a better loan the way I structured it this way, privately, if you will. So I walk in. They're all great. The building's beautiful. I'm very impressed. And they're like, this is a, you know, very well-priced car. And albeit, it is. According to all the metrics I could find, this car was very well-priced but it was just a little out of my desired price point. Did I borrow more money than the car cost? Yes. Could I afford the car? Yes. But it's more than I wanted to spend on the car for other reasons. And that's none of anyone's concern, right? It's my reasons. It doesn't matter. This is how much I want to spend on this car. So I walk in. They give me the keys. They send me off on a test drive. I say, great, this car is awesome. Come back in. I said, I want that car, but the price is a little too high. And they're like, oh, it's a no haggle price. We can't do anything. I'm like, it's just a little more than I want to spend. And they're like, well, we can take off this extra, you know, protection thing that we put on just so you can see what it's I'm like, okay. And then they say, and I'm like, 
can't you go talk to your manager? This is just, you know, I'm ready to buy cash. It's just a little, a little too much. I would have been fine with, you know, a few hundred dollars. Just bring it under. Because after they add their fees and stuff, it's an extra one from 19.9 to 21.2. And I'm like, I don't want to spend 21 grand on a car. It's more than, and there's other ones with a little more mileage on them that I could have gotten for less, right? So I was just uncomfortable with the price. But they're like, well, we do the, uh, like, can't you take the admin fee? Like, no, 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 we do license and we get the license and plates registered for you. And I was like, oh, damn, the little squeaky salesman, sales boy that was tasked to me, the easy John, the easy hit. The, the, the mark, right? Like, Dan, you buried the lead. I would love to not have to go there. But these other car companies only offer that service if I finance through them. And I don't want to finance. So I said, okay, let's do it. I go to the bank. I get the money. I get the cashier's check. I come back. And I'm sitting there. And like, we're getting your papers prepared for you. I'm like, financing is getting your papers ready. I'm like, okay. I'm sitting there 20 minutes. I'm like, these guys are trying to smoke me out. They are trying to make me wait as long as possible. So when the time comes to sign the final papers and give them the check, man, freedom tastes good. They they wear me down and I don't, I get invested in their process. I don't want to do this all over again, right? It's been hours by now. I'm exhausted. I just want to get it over with. And right before I was left for 20 minutes, someone gave me a couple papers to sign for like, uh, you know, to, I don't know exactly what, but one of them was a we owe you owe statement. I was like, what? So like, yeah, here's anything we owe you, which is nothing right now. And anything you owe us, which is just the, the check and the proof of insurance. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a document that structures in my head. I was thinking there's a document that catalogs everything car company owes the person when they're making the purchase like it happens enough they owe people things enough times that they have to make this standardized form for it what goes in the boxes lady and i'm sitting there and i'm thinking if i don't stand up for myself right now before the you know the end of the close i'm going to regret that for the rest of my life Every time I sit in this car, I'm going to be reminded of my own weakness and inability to negotiate a better position for myself. And they do all these things where, you know, they're all sales tactics. So the lady comes back and I'm like, you know, I'm not feeling comfortable with this price point. Is there, I understand if you guys can't bring the price of the car down, but what can you throw in with the car to bring the value of the car up so I feel more comfortable going over my budget. And she's like looking at me like I'm crazy. She's like, nothing, we can't do anything. I'm like, well, and I look, I kind of show the check. I'm like, I got the check right here, but I think I might just go buy a cheaper car somewhere else. And she's like, okay, let me get the sales floor manager. So this guy comes over to me and this guy's just like, oh, I heard you're uncomfortable making this purchase. And I'm like, yeah, it's a little out of my price range. He's like, oh, bud. He didn't say bud, but he was that the tone was very bud. He's like, oh, well, 
we can get you a cheaper car if that'll make you more comfortable. I'm like, no, I want this car, but I want a better deal. And he's like, yeah, we just can't do anything. Like, what would, what are you, what are you even thinking? I'm like, well, can't you throw in something with the car? And he's like, no, what do you mean? It's a Honda dealership. We're selling you a Kia. We don't even have, I'm like, there's no warranties. It already comes with a warranty. I'm like, extra. Do you have anything extra you can sweeten the deal with? So I feel comfortable selling, uh, paying above my price range. He's like, no, there's nothing. Sorry. I'm like, okay, well, I found a cheaper, you know, I kind of bluffed and said, I found a cheaper car and I'll, uh, I'm going to go like talk to my wife about it or something. So I go out, I leave. I, I, you know, my wife was getting lunch with the kids. They dropped me off and I walked to McDonald's and I slam a double quarter pounder with cheese, like a hot blooded American. And I feel much better. I talked to my wife and she's like, just do it. It's just, I'm like, it's just, why won't they budge an inch, you know? And then the way that guy treated me, I'm like, there's cheaper cars out there. Why am I, why am I being pressured into buying from these people? Like they're special when I'm the one with the money. They're the ones sitting on the car that needs to get off, move off the lot. And they want me to treat them like they're special, like I have to buy from them, right? They do all these sales tactics where they uh, build rapport with you, right? So that you feel uh, obligated to the salesperson in front of you. And they do all this work, seemingly, so that you feel like you have to pay them back, recipro uh, reciprocate the effort they put into the deal. And I'm like, no, these people are insane. And so I go back to the dealership because it looks like it was about to rain. I'm about to call uh, my wife again to come pick me up. And I'm standing outside just under an awning because it looked like it was about to rain. And another dealership calls me and says, hey, uh, do you want to come check out this car? It's closer. It's cheaper. It's exactly the same, different color. Even the same Carfax report where the bumper was damaged. It's 5,000 more miles on it. It's $1,200 less all in. And I'm like, I knew it. I knew it. My gut, my instincts were right. This was not the best deal I could get. And it's about value. It really is about value. Your value and the value of the deal and what you're buying and purchasing. It's a spiritual thing. It's like an emotional thing. It's not about the money, right? <clears throat> If it was about the money only, they wouldn't have to do any sales gimmicks to get over your fear of this and make money off of that and your insecurity about that, right? And and the warranties that they offer and all this stuff, right, is based on your fear of uncertainty. Making you sit there and wait is to build some sort of embarrassment for walking out. And I felt embarrassed walking back in after McDonald's. Just, my wife was like, just go buy it. Let's get this over with. Right? I don't want to do this again tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, I got to go back in there, the tail between my legs, saying, well, my wife convinced me, let's do it. But aha, uh -huh. this other dealership calls me with a better deal, ostensibly. And I walk in and I'm like, hey, you know, it's me again. I'm um, interested in that car, but I got a better offer. Can you guys match this price? And they're like, oh, doesn't that have a this? That? I'm like, no, no. Isn't that more miles? I'm like, it's only 5,000 miles more. Like, None of their BS worked. 
And so they're like, okay, sit down. We'll have someone come. And the, the way they kind of like throw you around the place, they do not care about the people that are buying cars from them, especially cash, which is weird because they make more money on the financing. They make high margin on the financing, like pure profit, right? Once the financing's done, there's no effort that needs to go into it. And it's like a multi-year income stream, so to speak, or, you know, Anyway, I, I do know for certain that GM made the most money at some point when it was a horrible business, and it almost certainly is still to this day, uh, which, let's be frank, is a really tough business manufacturing cars. But this environment, this attitude trickles down from the car manufacturers. The way people at dealerships treat buyers of cars is the way the car manufacturer treats the dealership. The dealership doesn't matter to the car manufacturer because Ford's Ford. They're going to make the cars. People are going to buy it. The dealer gets to the honor of selling the car for them. And they make a ton of money off of that honor, if you will. So then they, treat, they turn around and treat the buyer like the same way of the car, the consumer, the customer. They say, you have the honor of buying a car through me because we're looking at my building and my suit. And you're like, bro, shut up. You didn't make this car, right? Sit down and let me tell you what's going to happen here. And of course, it did not happen like that. But that's how I play it back in my mind. So then they say, okay, well, let, let me send you the head of my uh, used car division. And this Middle Eastern guy sits down in front of me. And he's got an accent. We're in Winston-Salem. And he's like, my friend, my friend, you know, this is the car. You know, the, the, you don't know what you're going to get over there. We're here. We do every point. I'm like, you're telling me that. But I don't know what you're actually doing with the car. They're telling me one thing. You're telling me one thing. I have no way to ascertain if your testing requirements or specs, you know, your 10, 200 point safety check is good, better, or worse than theirs. It's all talk to me. And look at this car. You can't bring the price down. He's like, my friend, my friend, we can't do anything. I'm like, where are you from? He's like, Egypt. I'm like, I'm from Iran. Let's haggle a little. He's like, oh, it's no, you can't haggle anymore. They have the price, the internet, you know. You can't. I'm like, <clears throat> And the whole time, I'm like, uh, uh, <laughs> the whole time, I just want to be respected. But now, I want to, I want to feel a little special because I'm. I realize that my check means nothing to them, so I want them to admit it means something to them. And also, I want, I want them. I want now. I want to break them. You understand me? I want to. Break their will. Car salespeople are all emotional creatures. They have to get up and put a smile on and force the win, right? They have to smile through 90% no's and then they get their yeses, right? <clears throat> it takes a lot of just like oomph. You know what I mean? It's not an intellectual game. It's a personality game. And, and well, that's why it's hard. You either have it or you don't. You can either take the note of the chin and move on or it, or it ruins you, right? <clears throat> so now I've decided I'm going to break their will, <laughs> right? And they send the brown guy to deal with the other brown guy. And for sure, this guy was not the head of anything. This guy was maybe the head mechanic, right? He comes in. They're trying to sweet talk me. I'm like... Dude, there's a cheaper car here. And I said, okay, I'm going to go. Uh, they're getting my papers ready still. 
right? We're like an hour in and the papers aren't ready yet, even though I'm not financing anything, even though they have all my information and they could hit print, right? So I'm like, you can't throw in some mugs or something? Give me some merch. And at this point, I literally would have paid twelve, you know, $100 more than I should have for a couple hundred dollars in merch. There's a Honda merch store in the corner of the, of the dealership, which no one buys from. Let's be real. Who the hell is going to buy a $30 Honda mug? It's not a Porsche. Cool at Honda. Okay. You make lawnmowers. Chill. Settle down. So, you know, $100 in merch would cost them $20 in cost, right? So for $20, they could have made, a, they could have gotten the, $21,000, $200-something-odd check. But they don't think like that. They're like, we can't give anything away for free. What are you talking about, right? And I'm like, just throw some. Like, what do you want? What do you want? I'm like, throw some merch. And it's like, merch? What is this merch? I'm like, you got mugs and shirts back there. I can see them. Give me a couple things. And I can justify it. <clears throat> He's like, oh, no, we can't do that with you. Okay, maybe one mug, one mug. I'm like, ah, that's it. I'm like, ah, I'm going to go talk to my wife. And so I talk to her. She pulls in. I go talk to her. And I'm like, I I can't do it. These people, it's just, it's too much. It's too much. It's not, it's not a good, it's not good enough of a deal. And so we leave. And we're like 20 plus minutes away driving home. They call back. The manager is like, hi, Mr. Amini, uh, I have your papers ready. So um, are you going to come and sign it? And I'm like, no, I found a car for a better deal. It would be irresponsible of me to purchase a car at your price point. Like, what are you thinking, right? And she's like, okay, bye. She's like, okay, bye. Like, just could not bear that interaction. And... I hang up and I look at my wife and I'm like, these losers. And then another call comes in. The dealer, again, the same number. I'm like, hello. He's like, hi, uh, Mr. Amini. I'm like, uh-oh. Who is the, it's the Egyptian guy? He's like, my friend, my friend. What if I, uh, so I took off, you know, we were talking about free oil changes and stuff at their dealership. I'm like, dude, you're 150 miles away. I'm never going to, you're an hour and a half away. I'm never going to come up here for an oil change. It's insane. Like, we have another one over by Charlotte. Like, that's an hour from my house. 40 minutes tops, minimum. I'm not, you know, say, so, okay, well, I could take a 175 or $180 off. I'm like, that's not enough, man. If you don't get the oil changes, you can give me 180 bucks. So then he calls me back and he says, well, my friend, my friend, what if I give you my employee voucher? $200 off the price of the car. And I'm looking at my wife and I'm like, one second, put her on mute. And I'm like, Anna, that brings the price difference down to about $850. And I look, think in my head, I'm like, okay, 5,000 miles extra for $800 savings. That I can get my head around. Plus the convenience of getting it right now. And I said, and I pick him up, pick up the phone, like, hey, my friend, my friend, uh, so you said the voucher plus the oil change money and the, the mug, right? And he's like, Oh, yes, yes, the mug, the mug. So, okay, I'm coming back. So I head back. These people 
spent another hour getting the paperwork ready. They got my name wrong three times, address and name wrong three times. So I'm sitting there, my kids are playing. At this point, I own the place. You know what I mean? I'm letting my kids run around. They're driving cars through the lot. I'm just like the king of the castle. The guy that tried to O-buddy me won't look me in the eye. And there's just this vibe of like dejection and misery hanging in the air with everyone that I've. And I'm going up to people I'm like, hey, what's, uh, what's taking so long? And they're like, oh, they're getting the papers ready. I'm like, how long will it be? Give me a minute. She's like, oh, you know, I'm like, and I'm like waving my hand, like, well, how many, how long? My wife's in the car, like, 15 minutes. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you're going to make me sit here for 15 minutes? You didn't tell me? I got a baby in the car. Like, what the hell's wrong with you? So my wife comes in. I'm like, you guys want coffee or anything? At this point, it's my office, right? Like, do you want coffee? Do you want a water? My wife said, I think coffee. I'm like, okay. I go up to the, the, the. Uh, secretary right next to my wife practically. I'm like, oh, ma'am, can I get a coffee for my wife? She's like, yeah, it's right over there. I'm like, oh, great service. Okay, so I go up to the coffee machine. I'm now making a coffee for my wife and get a water out of the fridge. No one is giving us good service anymore. And finally, the paperwork comes back right. I sign. I give them the check. They're going to give me a, you know, uh, the difference back. And when the guy comes to give me my keys, he's carrying a, a a mug wrapped in, you know, like the paper wrapping stuff. And he's like, hi, uh, Mr. Me. I'm like, yes. He's like, I have a, I don't understand, but I have a, I have a, I have a this for you. They told me to give this mug to you. And I'm like, give me that. And I grabbed the mug out of his hand and I'm just like, oh yes. And then we go to get the car and he's like, fumbling for his words and he's like we only have one key and my wife does not play around she's like one key what do you mean one key she's like yeah we don't know where the other key is we're gonna try to chase it down for you i'm like oh now you're gonna have good service when we're not gonna be here to bother you all she's like how much does a new key cost like two to three hundred dollars i'm like oh so you're gonna and my wife's like instantly she does not play around she's like Oh, so you're gonna give us two to three hundred dollars back right if you don't give that key to us like oh oh, yeah yeah let me get they go and they like find the keys. Like oddly, a place that sells cars and has to keep keys, keep track of keys, that's their literally their job, misplaced the key and then found it immediately after like double checking. So I'm like, someone's fucking with me in there. That's a weird thing to lose. And then find with no effort, right? And and then we went home. And now I drink this mug of coffee knowing that I broke an entire team of professional salespeople. And that gives me so much joy. So much joy. I might start selling cars at this point. Hey, Anna, what do you think if I start selling cars? Uh, oh, man. But the way that guy didn't look me in the eye and the way the second key appeared and just like we got to start throwing our weight around a little bit here as a brown guy as me I don't know everything that I am let's just say me personally I don't like making other people feel uncomfortable I'm very sensitive to other people's feelings overly sensitive my wife would say and you know that's that's the truth of the matter so I don't like making other people feel comfortable so 
when I finally realized that they're trying to make me feel uncomfortable so they can manipulate me, like I a flip switches inside me and I no longer care about their feelings and I will make them feel uncomfortable and I will enjoy it. I think that's the last piece that I've kind of learned to accept as I'm getting a little older is the joy of defending yourself and attacking someone else who's trying to hurt you. And I mean attacking like socially or verbally or like with body language, like a very like subtle attack. And I don't mean even attack, like force my will or like exert my own will into the situation. So that now I'm not just like buffing their, you know, advances on encroachment into my space. I'm manipulating their space, right? I am not, I'm letting them know that I know what they're doing and standing up to them and making them and watching them as they back off. Like almost like admit defeat or something like that. Like that has become, you know, chef's kiss. And it was crazy. This is the craziest part. If those assholes just like, this is how little they respect their customers. Everybody's coming in and buying a 10,000. I mean, $10,000 is like a cheap ass car. You can't get a new car for $10,000, right? So you're coming in and you're buying a very expensive thing. And most people have to finance it because who 20 grand is a lot of money. And that's not the nicest car in the world. You can easily spend 30 grand on a car. And how do you do that? You finance it, right? And they roll everything into the financing. They give you all these numbers that you can't keep track of. And they have everything. They have a whole process. As soon as you walk in, the building is lit in a certain way. It exudes a certain dominance over you. All this money that was spent over that. Everything is clean. Everyone's walking around with purpose and dignity, right? Everything is shimmering, uh, shimmering and shining. They give you water. So immediately you owe them one, right? They come and sit you down with paperwork and they drop the fact that there's a no haggle price guarantee, blah, blah, blah. And look at all this stuff you're getting. In. Everything's a, pro- a system. You're entering into a sales system. That's what salespeople learn, by the way. They, they're called sales systems. You want to sell pharmaceuticals. You want to sell software. You want to sell... Um, you know, data centers, you want to sell hospitals, like $100 million, $200, $500 million, there's sales systems, objections, uh, benefits, timing, all this stuff, right? And these idiots are sitting on a pile of merch that's ostensibly made in China. Where is this mug made in? So maybe it's made in Japan. Maybe it's a true Japanese Honda mug. It gives me great honor to drink from this mug. You have no idea. Regardless, it didn't cost that much to make. They didn't spend much to buy it, if anything, right? And all these idiots have to do is make you feel, actually make you feel special. And the easiest way for them, they literally could have gotten me two hours earlier if they just gave me a gift, if they threw in a gift basket of shirts, mugs, and hats. And I'm not kidding you, because all my brain needed was 
a little extra value to justify the extra price. Right? That was my sticking point. And my brain knew I was getting a, not the best deal. My mind, right? I knew my instincts, whatever you want to call it. I just felt I was not getting the best deal. So I needed something extra to, to justify the extra cost. And they could have made me feel a little special with like, you know, they could have given me, boy, imagine if they give you $500 worth of merchandise. But, whoa, that's a lot of money. That even sounds like a lot of money. For a $20,000 car? And it cost them 100 bucks? So they're spending $100 to get a $21,000? You know, like, what are we even doing? And the way the guy handed me the mug, like, he's never given a mug before to someone. He was like, Dad, they, uh, they gave me this? They gave, I don't understand. It's a, it's a mug? Oh, he's all cars. Why don't we give him a mug away? Like, blew his mind. It was the, the, the puzzling, the puzzle in his voice, the mystery, the, the confusion in his voice was palpable. My wife looked at me when he said it. We were joking about it the whole ride home. They don't think like that because they don't give a shit about you. Period. Right? That's what it comes down to. The culture is a symptom of the business structure of the the true ethos of the business the true guiding principles of the business not the published ones not the spoken ones the acted ones the real ones the practiced ones and so let this mug be a reminder that you too can break an entire team of car sales people and in the end he won me over with a 200 dollars voucher and they had to send the brown guy on the phone to call to give me a $200 discount on the car via quote you know call it an employee voucher like you work there you get $200 off cars are you kidding me McDonald's gives you 30% off their burgers these corporations are so cheap it's insane insane meanwhile this Honda dealership flow Honda in Winston-Salem, pretty cool name. I'm not going to lie. Don't mind that it's on the back of my car. It has like seven dealerships. Subaru, Honda, Toyota. They're all there. And the average person is is made to feel intimidated by these properties. When you really should be thinking they have enough money to give you a deal. They're doing just fine right oh my god what a s show that was so got me a new kia and i won and i won they lost no but they didn't lose it was a fair goddamn transaction in the end it was just um that's 430 you know what i mean Like, it wasn't a lot. And that, it took me leaving down this, you know, highway. Anyway, that's what's up. What else happened? What else happened? Oh, God. 
Oh, today I found, oh, I don't want to talk about it. the energy drains from my voice as soon as I start talking about politics. What else is going on? I'm going to do stand-up tonight, which is going to be, it's become so fun. Oh, did I mention that I killed it last time? I fucking killed it? No, I didn't actually, but I did really well, given the circumstance. So we go to the same place every Wednesday night, and I don't care how I do. I'm there for the experience after I get off stage, the camaraderie and uh, the rush. And we go there. We're last, as usual, on the list. I'm dead last. My buddy's, you know, second to last. We sit in the back, and we're just nervous, and we're like, you got – it's this weird type of – energy where you're trying to make jokes to lighten the mood but you're just nervous as hell so all your jokes are a little (laughs) it's like a tenseness to it and we sit down and this guy that i thought was transgender like a hundred percent turns out he just had bell's palsy and he was wacky turned out to be an angel of a guy but i just assumed he was totally transgender and his friend were really cool people but he starts talking to us and i always feel like i'm gonna get canceled this is really the problem with cancel culture i got nervous that i was sitting next to a transgender person because i'm like what do i do how do i how do i act do i do i be extra nice or do i treat them like a normal person and you know like i would normally do and like ignore them do i you know but they're going through so much and i you know, and you like, you start playing in this whole thing and you're like, what if I said the wrong thing and I'm going to get canceled? So I'm just like shutting up. I'm nervous as it is. I can't, I can't introduce a transgender conversation. It, it's too, un, too un, destabilizing. I can't take my eye off the ball. I'm, I'm bombing on stage. And, but he starts talking to my friend and we all get, and his friend then start, you know, the four of us are all start talking because we're back in the corner and there, it turns out that there are really great people um and they're comics one's from boston one's from i think south carolina and they've been doing stand-up for two years and they're like trying to make careers out of it and i was like oh this will be great when you guys go up and they tell me their numbers on the slots and i'm like oh right before right before me and my friend oh okay and then i have to close oh okay okay so i just go like pale and I say, you know what? I can either die right now from an exploded heart or I can just give up and not care. It's going to be what it's going to be, man. So I choose the latter and I try to enjoy myself. And then these two go up and they do great. I've never seen the place laugh that hard, right? They have bits. It's tight. They have notes for each other. They're two years in. They're taking it seriously. They, they want to become stand-up comics. and and then my buddy goes up and he started trying a new thing where he's not trying to remember his bits verbatim, which was too hard and too rigid, turns out, on stage. As you, as if you mess up one thing, then getting on back on track is very hard. It just like doesn't come out well, even if the, even if the content is good. And so he gets up on stage and he's doing this new thing where he's just like trying to hit themes or topics. And he crushes. For this room, I've never heard the room laugh harder. Even he surpassed the two stand-up comments in laughter anyway. 
And I'm like, oh, good God, man. Like, I thought it was bad enough with those two. And now you just, like, nuke the room. For this room, right, we're all a joke. But still, it's all relative. And I started doing this thing where I put my name down as something silly just to get, like, one laugh or a ha right before I go on stage to kind of prime the pump. And so this time, anyway, so I did that, and that kind of helped. And I get up on stage, and I just black out, and I do my uh, jokes I had written for the night. And I did, I like, it didn't, I didn't surpass my friend, but I was somewhere in the realm of, I didn't bomb, and I held my own, and people were laughing, and I think they were ready to laugh at that point, thank God, you know what I mean? There was just like momentum in the room, they were more uh, willing to laugh. But uh, it ended well. It ended on a really good note, like a down note, but not lower than the – I was in the – I don't know where I was particularly, but I do know this. Allegedly, the guy from Boston invited me and my buddy to be, like, on the undercard for some show. And I'm like, me too? He's like, yeah, yeah, you too. I was like, holy shit. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if anything's going to happen, but it was like – the biggest high I've ever had in my entire life. People were rushing up to us afterwards because we held our own and we understood, like everyone knew the pressure we were under to close out and how, we, how well we did given that pressure. And they came up to us like we won the World Series. Like, oh, guys, guys, good job, good job. Nobody looked me in the eye any time previously. And now they're running up to us like we just hit the home run and they want autographs. And these are like other hack, you know, first time open micers. So <laughs> it was wild. It was wild. And, and, and we're addicted completely. Like we're in, you know what I mean? I don't care what it takes, but I'm so in. And so now I have a whole bit about, well, you know, I'm not even going to say it because it sounds horrible, but it's actually not. It's actually very thoughtful, but it sounds really bad on paper if I told you what the bit's about. Um, and it's become it's become so fun to just try and not worry about monetizing something, not worry about a career in something. Just go and try to do something and, you know... My friend, my buddy, is going to be a stand-up comic. I mean, he's got it. The fact that he went on stage and he outperformed the real, you know, comics relatively in the room. Um, and out of nowhere, his first three times we went together, it was not this. It was getting better, but it was not that, not this good. And then he, like, the pressure clicked him into form. And he excelled. And I was like, dude. You need to, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. You need to be a stand-up comic. And, you know, and now he has to be because he came on stage and he said some crazy shit on camera and he's never going to get a job. So <laughs> he got his like, proverbial face tattoo and now he's got to be a stand-up comic. And he's got it. He's got it. He's young. He's going to figure it out. He's in the perfect place. I can't wait to be his manager. You know what I mean? I'm just hanging on for the money but it has it has increased the quality of my life in that knowing I'm able to do 
it's all that stuff aside, knowing that I have a hobby that I deeply enjoy that has no financial benefit, it's like, uh, it's so freeing to me. It's so freeing. It's liberating because everything about my life is about business. Everything is about, you know, everything in my life is about business. And it took me a lot of time and effort to carve out space for my family. And now I'm starting to do it for myself, you know, in there. And so, you know, and yeah, I, I am truly, I'm enjoying it to such a deep level and I have no, uh, visions of grandeur or whatever the term is, right? I know how bad I am in the grand universe of things. And I can't imagine, I can't imagine killing it for five minutes, let alone 15 minutes, man. Oh God. But I'm going to get there. I'm going to get a killer 15 minute set. And, and you know, every night I get, I write new material, new material, it's five minutes, but still I get up there and I try it. And, and like one thing usually does well, uh, one thing usually does best. Right. And so I'm going to like collect all those bits and try to turn them into one thing. But it's hard because it's, it's a lot of the same crowd every night. And so I feel dumb saying the same joke and I don't care. So it's just like a writing exercise too. And somewhere it's only five minutes in the week. It's only one set the whole week. So I have enough time to come up with something new, but, um, the, tonight I'm going to try not pacing the whole time nervously and ignoring the audience because I don't want to admit that there's people out there. And I'm going to turn and I'm going to stand. Tonight, I'm going to work on eye contact. That's my big thing. I'm going to look people in the eye. And I'm going to make them laugh. It, there's so many factors to being funny on stage that I, you can only... It's insane. It's insane. So, I hope everybody has a good week here. What, is, what, what day is it? It is Wednesday already. Man. Oh, Wednesday and the emails are coming in. What is it? It's almost nine o'clock here. I got to get ready for work. Um, things are going well, though. Things are going well. I got, I moved into, well, I got the, the space officially. Um, I have another car now so I can drive up to my farm as, as needed. Um, so that's wild. And it looks like things are progressing. We got two products in development, you know, that are pretty interesting. One's a protein, one's a preservative. And who knows what else we might uncover or be contracted to produce. Um, And yeah. I'm working on this. I think I'm launching a software business too. I'm I'm sick and tired of waiting for other people to move as I believe they should or could. And so now I'm moving full speed ahead on my own. Get get on the board or get on board or, or be left behind. And and my big goal here financially is to put on webinars teaching marketers uh that have jobs, right? How to run the entire marketing department of their company, especially in the B2B business to business world off of webinars. So 
I hope that's like my income stream the second half of the year. And I think it will be. I, I know it can be, you know. But man, am I nervous to like, again, put yourself out there. Live webinars, you have to be on. I did one yesterday for a client and it was exhausting. I'm like lifting their company by developing a whole new product for them. I, I, it's exhausting work. And I'm not developing a product for them, but I've definitely identified the direction they have to go in. And, you know, acting um, like, no matter what business I'm in, I act like an owner. And I think about the core business. And if I'm not allowed to, if I'm not, because I act like, because I think like an owner and I act like an owner, if I'm not allowed to um, participate in the direction of the business, it gets very frustrating for me. And you can spend your whole life, oh my God, I have, so... I got high as hell the other day and I went for a walk and I was thinking about life. And I remember this company that I worked for back in the day and a mentor of mine ran it and he ended up um, committing suicide and earlier this year um, in March. And it really hurt me. I, you know, I didn't know his family or anything, but I found out um, way afterwards and we had emailed like a week before or two weeks before. Um, and I'm going to try to buy his company and I'm going to try to turn it into a massive business. And I don't know exactly how, but I'm going talking to their, I got an intro to an investor of their company. That investor, um, introduced me to their brokerage firm. So now on Friday, I have a 15 minute call with their brokerage firm and I'm talking to another buddy of mine I met down here. I'm going to make who helps buy and sell companies, coach me, maybe even join me on the call because I don't know what the hell to do in 15 minutes. But, you know, if they give me a price, somehow I got to get enough information to then go talk to investors because I think there's a bigger opportunity that they're not actively, that they can't, they don't have the, uh, the, the staff and the people to go after, but I do. And it's easier to buy an existing company with cash flow than start one with no cash flow. I mean, that's like the facts. So, you know, I, a lot of people feel, how do you do so much? I just am thinking about it 24 seven. And I've been thinking about it for a decade and I've been forcing, you know, my friends and family to support me when I was younger and more broke so that I could learn these things. Um, and so it does take a village. It takes a decade. And once you get good at a thing, you can do multiple things. Of the, you can do multiple, you can, you can keep multiple plates of that thing spinning. So if you're really good at painting, you'll end up being able to have multiple paintings that you work on at once, right? If you're really good at building homes, you'll have multiple homes that you're building at once. And because you know the process from start to finish, so to speak, that you can jump in and out of different projects that are in different places or different parts of the different stages of that process. And 
you know, lawyers have multiple clients because they can write. Once you develop that mindset, which takes a long time for anything to master a mindset, you can, it, it does not take much effort to be doing the same thing in multiple different, you know, um, uh, distinct projects. It's like anything, right? An author might write multiple chapters of the same book at the same time, probably writes other things at the same time. If you're an avid reader, you might be reading multiple books at the same time. Like you just have to develop the mindset. And so for me, it's business and starting businesses. And the mindset is easy for me to flip between projects, but I could not easily flip, you know, and, and, you know, one, five minutes of stand up a week is a lot for me mentally. I couldn't imagine doing three sets a night once a week even. So it's really just your brain, your, 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 what's it called? The neuroplasticity, your, your pathways and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening guys. I hope everyone has a fantastic rest of your week and, uh, I'm going to enjoy this, uh, coffee here.